With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Scooped up. This is going to be a Hawkeye touchdown. Right through. And the Hawkeyes have stunned the Wolverines. Michigan unbeaten no more. Piling on now is Iowa as they crack the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes. But when his number was called, seven got six. What's up and welcome to Spoko Radio presented by Blackheart Gold Pants, SP Nation's community for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host, DC, with me. Not usually first. It's the people's champ, David Johnson. Champ, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. Ready to go. Talk about some football. Iowa hoops. Wasn't a great week, but we're here for you. We we will talk about hoops in a little bit. Jerry Sherwin got called out on business at the last minute, so he is not joining us this week. But uh, he sends his regards to all of you guys. Subscribe to the show wherever you guys wherever you guys get your podcasts. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at BHGP, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. Make sure you're sharing the show with your friends, talking to us on Twitter, giving us think questions to talk about during the show, uh, things of that nature. All right, guys, I was in Israel the last week and a half or so, so I didn't get a chance to talk about the Holiday Bowl, so I did get to watch it eventually, but figured from my rewatch and taking what Champ and Jerry talked about Last week on the show, I want to kick this this off, Champ, with you on Brian Ferentz. You seem to have some newfound belief, some White Sox-level optimism in Brian Ferentz moving forward. My question to you is, why was why do you believe Brian Ferentz is a changed man, and why isn't why is this not just going to be another display of him beating up on a Rutgers-like defense like USC was? Uh, that's a very good question, DC, and I love the White Sox throw in there. I don't know if I'm quite at that level yet with my, you know, White Sox happiness that I've had this offseason, but to me, it's, it's just what he did in that game. Me and Jared talked about it a little bit last week. It's just the type of adjustments he made in game and the type of game plan he had coming into this game. I think he learned a lot. He had a lot of success within the game. And I think he's going to use this to jump off of next year and do a lot more of these type of things. I think he's going to take over this offense. I think this is now his time to shine. I think Kirk has given him full reign now of the offense. And I think that was shown in the USC game, doing a lot of things that I was not used to doing. I mean, we, we talked about how they had different personnel groups. They had multiple running backs and at the same time, multiple wide receiver sets, play action, end arounds. I mean, yes, they've run end arounds in the past, but to do it consistently and throughout that game to take advantage of their speed on the outside compared to USC was something I love to see. And I think going into next year, they have everybody coming back on the offensive side of the ball except for their quarterback and except for probably one of their tackles. But every other playmaker on that offense is coming back, and Brian Ferentz should continue to, to continue to ride these guys and show what he can do 
with these type of playmakers. Iowa's fun. Their offense has fun players, some speed, some athleticism, and it's time for Brian Ferentz to show what he did against USC. And going forward, I think that's exactly what he's going to do. And it's going to springboard him for, I'll say he's the offensive coordinator the next two seasons, and then after these next two years, he becomes the head coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes. You are now talking yourself into Brian Ferentz as future head coach. Yeah, a lot's happened since you came back from Israel, D.C. I know it uh, may sound a little strange, but that's where I'm at right now. If Brian Ferentz is listening to this, he's trying to schedule defenses as bad as USC's for every single game so people like Champ are fully bought in when he can take <laughs> over. I mean, I'm all for it. I was, it was this way the beginning of the season. I'm sure I'll talk myself back into it come the start of next football season. But for right now, I'm just in, I'm still in prove-it mode. I still saw three points scored against Michigan. I still saw no offensive production against Penn State. Those are the defenses that you're going to face more often than not when you're trying to compete for Big Ten championships. USC is a great program by name only. They're terrible on defense. They're at the same level of Rutgers nationally on defense. Until Brian Ferentz can prove to me that he can do this against top, better levels defenses, I'm still not going to go sit here and say, He's he's got the guy anymore. It's it's prove it mode. The same way going back to the White Sox. The same way I was prove it to me that they're going to actually spend some money. Brian Ferentz needs to prove it to me that this can happen against better defenses in college football. I totally get that. That's a fair assessment. That's pretty much where I was coming into this whole season. Yes, I changed basically off of one bowl game against a subpart defense, like you said. So I can respect that. I don't have any problem with you know your opinion on I want to see it in Big Ten play next year. I want to see him do this. I, I, mine is more of a Jerry Sherwin optimism <laughs> hope that I think you know this is what's going to happen because I saw it against USC. So if I saw it against a team like that, why can't he do it against Big Ten of foes like Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State next year is on their schedule. Even Iowa State's going to probably be improved again. I mean, the, he needs to show it against those guys. And mine, I think he will. It's more of an optimistic take. Yours is probably more of the more logical take going into next year. But I, maybe it was just you were not on the show last week and the Jerry train just got in my head. That's <laughs> definitely a possibility. But, I mean, your end is probably the more logical explanation. Hey, and I fully well know come July, come August, I'm going to talk myself fully into this offense being what it was against USC and not what it was against Penn State and Michigan. But for right now, while I can still be some have some critical and still be a little bit of upset at how this season and ultimately played out and some missed opportunities, I'm going to be in prove-it mode. All right, guys, let's move on. We don't really have a packed show today, but we do want to figure we touch on some newsy items as related to Iowa and give you guys a little bit of a college football national championship preview to wrap this show. So, Champ, I just got some news things we're going to throw, throw around here. We'll start with a early departure from the football team declaring for the NFL draft. Not a guy we were expecting. Not a guy... I think everyone's expecting. Kind of a little bit of a surprise, but Geno Stone announced this week he is leaving early to go for the NFL. And so what are your thoughts on Geno leaving, and what do you think this secondary looks like for the Iowa Hawkeyes next year? I was definitely perplexed by the news that uh, Geno Stone was going to the NFL draft. I don't think he's going to be better than the best he could probably hope for is a fifth-round pick, maybe late fourth. That's about the ceiling, I think. For Geno Stone, I think if he would have came back, showed out with this defense, 
been probably their best secondary player next year. He could have moved himself up to a you know a guaranteed third or fourth round pick. I guess Gino didn't have that in the car. I mean, I, you can't ever be like angry with a guy for leaving and go to the NFL. I'm, I'm not that at all. I was just a little shocked and you know thought he could improve his draft stock by coming back next year. But I mean, in the scheme of things, what's really moving up one round in the NFL draft going to really do for you? Not a whole lot money wise. Uh, and then you protect yourself against you know a possible injury at Iowa next year, and then all of a sudden he gets injured and he's not getting drafted at all. So in that note, good for Geno. I wish him luck in the NFL. In terms of the secondary next year, that's going to be a big you know hole to fill for Geno. I mean, whether it's Kevon Merriweather, we we saw what Jack Kerner can do this year as a starting the year as a walk on. I think he's going to have to step up. He's going to have to be that you know. Big-time playmaker as a safety going into next year. I think we had a lot of high hopes for Kevon Merriweather coming into this season. He played, I think, only the first couple games, and then they sat him the rest he of the played year. The, he played the first game, and then the week uh, in the Friday before the second game, he actually had a foot sprain. Yeah. And he missed, and then he basically didn't didn't win his job back, and, they, and ultimately redshirted. Yeah, so they got an you know an extra year of eligibility out of him, which is nice. So I I expect him to probably be this you know the other safety in there. I don't know if they're gonna you know flop Kerner and him to you know one's free safety, one strong safety. I don't think in the scheme of thing that that really matters as long as they're both on the field and contributing. But yeah, he, Kavon's gonna have to step up, and Kerner is too because let's face it, Geno Stone was a rock back there with Kerner this year. Helping him a lot, I'm sure, as his first year is starting. Now, Kerner's going to have to be that rock next year for Kavan, and we'll see if he can do that. It's going to be interesting to see. But, yeah, they're both going to have to step up tremendously with uh, the loss of Geno. The guy you were riding on to be the next head coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes at the beginning of the season is why I'm not concerned about Geno Stone leaving early this year. All Phil Parker does is find defensive backs and plugs them in, and they become a all conference unit year in and year out so Geno Stone leaving early I cannot blame a guy at all for chasing a dream and going to the NFL and making life-changing money and I also think to your point champ what you said earlier what's one or two rounds of the NFL draft if you're not a first or second round pick yeah um, but to me what Phil Parker is able to do what he's proven time and time again I have full full faith in how whoever ends up in that new strong safety spot whether it's Kevon Merriweather, whether Dayton Belton moves back, moves into a safety role, and somebody else takes over that nickel spot, whatever whatever Phil Parker wants to do, I have complete faith in. Heck, you might even see a base four two five defense on the Iowa Hawkeyes next year. Yeah, I've I read that this week. I mean, th- there's guys that are going to come in. Like you mentioned, Julius Brents. That's a guy who I actually had big hopes for coming into this year. He also didn't really see the field at all. I think he had a an early injury as well. He's a guy who has the size to be a safety. He's got some. I think he's six one or six two. He's a big fella. They can put him back there. Ball hawk. I wouldn't be surprised to let him. You know, get some time at safety. See what he can do. If not, you know, nickel corner. We'll see there. But yeah, like you mentioned, there's a lot of guys that can step in and fill that role. I I also agree that you know you you put your full trust in Phil Parker. He's proven it year after year that it doesn't matter. I mean, look, just last year with Jack Kerner had to step in as a as a red shirt or as a uh, walk on, I should say, and it just performed great. Starting with that Iowa State game, he was probably their best defender in that Iowa State game. 
Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt where you know the defense will miss a guy like Geno Stone. He's always he wasn't the biggest, he wasn't the fastest, but he was always in the right spot. He was always willing to make a tackle, be right there where the ball is, where where the defense needed him to be. And you know what kind of defense could use that if, especially if they don't bring back a certain somebody, Chicago Bears could use that could use a box filling safety moving forward. Let let Eddie uh, Eddie Jackson go back to that center field role. And uh, let Geno Stone come up and play that run and make those tackles. I would love that. Bring him in as your fifth-round pick. The more Hawkeyes on the Bears, the better. I would love it. Absolutely. All right, let's stay with football. A little bit more news here, champ. We had a transfer in the quarterback room. Peyton Manziel has entered the transfer portal. I can't say it's too surprising with everything we've been seeing at the beginning of this year and, and the recruiting class coming in with Deuce Hogan. Spencer Petras seems to be the guy who's going to win the job fairly easily, uh, well, especially now. But I think the writing was on the wall for for Peyton, and uh, he uh, is looking to uh, leave the program. So what do you think of Manziel transferring? What do you think that does with the quarterback room uh, moving forward? I think this clearly makes you know Spencer Petras the clear-cut you know starter going into next year. That was already the case. That's why Peyton's transferring, because he knew the writing was on the wall, like you said. He wasn't really going to be the starter next year. And, I mean, credit to him. We mentioned this in our group chat with our fourth member of, you know, Spoko Z this week. He mentioned the fact that he he was a, you know, pretty good soldier this year, didn't mention anything, wasn't, you know, crying about not being the backup, and it pre- kept it pretty quiet that he was planning on transferring. So good on him for that. I wish him well. I hope he goes somewhere and can play. I mean, I, we haven't really seen much of him to know whether or not he's going to be a player, you know, if he's going to go to a smaller school or try to transfer to a lower end, you know, big five conference school and try to play there. We'll see. None of us can really predict that. But like you said, it's it's Spencer's job now. He's going to be uh, the guy. Deuce, I mean, it's looking like now after this move, Deuce is definitely going to be the backup, I would think. I, I don't think they redshirt him next year, especially if he can come in and master that offense early on. He's your backup, and hell, he's one play away from being on the field and you know contributing for the Hawkeyes, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think uh, I think Padilla probably stepped up, his, stepped up his game. I think he arguably might have even passed uh, Manziel this year, which is part of the reason why Peyton transferred. Um I do think that they're very comfortable of just saying, Deuce, come in. You're not even coming in early, coming in in the summer, learn the offense, be play scout team, fully register it, learn everything, get stronger. We'll roll with Spencer and uh, Alex Padilla here for the in, in the for the one year, and then you can kind of play for that backup role uh, or the starter role after that. I don't really think Deuce is. I mean, regardless, right? Even if he is the backup, unless he has to actually come in for more than four games, he can still redshirt next year anyway. Yeah, exactly. That's the big thing is if if even if he is backup, he could. And as long as he doesn't play in the four, he can come back. And I think this kind of goes back to our Brian Ferentz conversation. I think to me, part of the reason why I'm very curious to see what this offense looks like next year is what does Brian Ferentz feel comfortable calling for a first-year starting quarterback? Well, I mean, he should fucking open it up. I mean, he did it against (laughs) USC. Why not do it in Big Ten play? For everything we've read about Spencer Petras, it's that he's going to be able to step in. He's got the arm strength. He's got the intellect to master this offense. And you have the playmakers. This is Going into next year, this is going to be the best set of playmakers that Iowa – football has ever had 
going into a season, whether it's Easily. your wide outs, whether it's a tight end stepping up now, Tyler Goodson as your running back, and still the other two running backs are coming back. Sargent and Torn Young will both be back as your second and third string running backs. That's a hell of a lot of depth at your running back position. You're five and six deep at wide receiver, and then your tight end, I mean, you look at what was done at the end of the year by the freshman coming in and getting that doing a hell of a job. He's going to be the guy next year going in starting, I think. No, absolutely, but I do think anyone, any naturally, right, your your goal is to kind of be a little bit skeptical. Uh, of like, you want you don't want to, like, give him too much too fast. Yeah, I, and, you and don't want to put too much seen, on his You plate. haven't seen him, right, you haven't seen him in a real, in real life situation yet. And to me, like, that, they're, how comfortable is he going to be in, in live action that he hasn't seen in a few years now? And in a different speed than he's ever seen before, and to me, that's what it's gonna. I think going to put a little bit more of a training wheel on this offense than Omaha fans are gonna be expecting after the after the Holiday Bowl. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna have to get the ball out of Spencer's hands quick. I think a lot of you know those quick uh, you know screens, you know end arounds, getting the ball into the playmakers' hands. They're gonna run the ball a lot, which they established this year. Tyler Goodson, Torin Young, Makai Sargent. You know, all had pretty solid seasons. They're going to get the ball a lot. And with a young quarterback that hasn't played, you're even going to rely more heavily on the run, I think. so. And that's fine because Tyler Goodson's dynamic. You get him the ball, he's going to rumble. And, Champ, to build on that, look at the NFL. The the best teams right now in the playoffs are teams that all run the ball really, really well. Yes, exactly. I mean, you saw the, the Patriots-Titans game is a perfect example of a team literally just running the shit out of the ball, dominating that game. Derrick Henry is an absolute beast. We saw that in college when he played at Alabama. He's just bigger, better, faster than everybody else. And, yeah, that Tyler Goodson obviously doesn't have the size of Derrick Henry, the elusiveness that he has, I think, is he's going to go down as one of the best running backs I was ever had. Right, and so they, uh, at the end of the day, right, you, people can say we Iowa they want to see Iowa throw the ball more and and air it out and be a spread offense, but these still these the best of the best in football are still at the end of the day running the ball and running it su- su- successfully, and that's what you need to see. And with the number of weapons Iowa has coming back, it should be easier to run the ball. Yeah. For sure. that I mean, that interior of the offensive line is going to be much improved. I mean, we get rid of the bum Paulson twins. Thank God they can move on. We got Tyler Lindenbaum in there. Has already shown what a stud he is, and he was a freshman last year. We're going to get improved play there. Alaric Jackson will be back. Yes, they're going to have to pro- – I mean, it's not official yet, but we all know Tristan Wirfs is going to the NFL, so we're going to have <laughs> to replace that you know, at one of the tackle positions. But, I mean, I have confidence that – Brian and the offensive line can, you know, get the job done and they'll create running lanes all season. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot going on and I think the the quarterback room is going to be something to watch because I think a lot of people are going to think should be cheering for Deuce to come in and win their job from day one. I think a lot of us, I think our entire show have all kind of bought into Spencer coming in and, and stepping in and being a very nice encore to Nate Stanley, but I do think that the offense is going to probably take a little bit of time to gel next year, and unfortunately, it doesn't really have the opportunity to do so, because the schedule kind of ramps up pretty quickly with Iowa State and a short week in Minnesota. 
pretty early on. Can they year. schedule like a couple exhibition games against some like one double A teams to get Spencer some gameplay? Because he's yeah, like you said, it goes. I mean, you got week one is kind of a cupcake, but then after that, it's like boom, right into the heart of the schedule after week one. It's yeah, you gotta get knock that rust off quick week one, and then uh, get ready to play some uh, legitimate big time football. Mm-hmm. That means a lot. Luckily, Iowa State is in Kinnick this year. Let's just say that. That is nice. Yes. All right, let's move to gears. Let's push gears over to basketball. Uh, a couple of games since we've last put out a show. Iowa went to uh, Philadelphia, played Penn State at the Palestra. Uh, another yet another game, yet another injury. C.J. Frederick got hurt and has a stress reaction in his foot, which we found out after the Nebraska game might be keeping him out for a, some, a substantial amount of time. But, Champ, going back to the Penn State game, what are your takeaways from that as I was still kind of out and about tra- finishing up my travels? I actually was extremely impressed with Iowa in the Penn State game. Yes, they didn't close it out. The last five minutes they ran out of gas. That, I think, had a lot to do with the fact that C.J. Frederick ran out and they were basically playing six guys the entire second half. Guys just ran out. You could tell they were just sucking air. Luca Garza was literally dead tired because I think he played like 19 of 20 minutes in the second half. The big (laughs) thing was the free throw line at the end of that game. They couldn't make free throws. That's why they lost. But in terms of a game, that was one of the better games that I've watched, uh, you know, competitively with Iowa in a, in a few seasons. Penn State's a damn good team. They have some veteran players that have been on that squad for it. What seems like about nine years, but they're you know a couple senior players that stepped up. They played well. That was a, a really cool atmosphere in the uh, Palestra. Awesome. I mean, it doesn't hold a lot of people, but it got loud in there. It was fun. I mean, back and forth all game. I don't think the game got over seven points on either end the entire game. It was just a great, you know, matchup between two teams that I expect to be both tournament teams. I know Iowa is struggling a little bit right now, but that game impressed me. The Nebraska game, on the other hand, we'll talk about (laughs) in a few minutes, but just in terms of, you know, judging them based off that Penn State game, I think if they play like that all year, they'll be just fine. They'll be you know above 500 in Big Ten play, and they'll be a tournament team. So that was my takeaway from it. The question is, are they going to have enough bodies to play that tough the rest of the season? Yeah. Guys just keep falling. They just keep getting hurt. I mean, C.J. Frederick was just shooting over 50% from three, was a key member only as a, as a freshman. Redshirt freshman uh, was a key member of this team. And, yeah, him going out might hurt, but we saw that in the Nebraska game, which we can get to now, I would assume. Yeah, and so, I mean, when you get down to eight scholarship players, things can get rough pretty quickly, and then what happens is the game against Nebraska where you shoot all of 12% from three. Um, and on top of that, you hit the free throw thing in the Penn State game. It was another issue for two different factors in the Nebraska game. They only got to the free throw line five times on Tuesday night, and then they only made two of those five. Yeah, that's, I mean, five free throws is just unacceptable. I understand that they were doubling Luka most of that game, forcing him to pass out to to three-point shooters, but they just didn't make shots. That's what it came down to. Four of 33 from the free throw line, like you said, 12%. That's, you're not going to win any games hitting, you know, not only not, 
shooting well, but only making four threes throughout the entire game. That was clearly Nebraska. What they were trying to do was force them to hit threes. Normally that, you know, is going to lead to success for Iowa. Wieskamp was only one for ten from three. I don't expect him to be like that the rest of the season. He's a damn good shooter. He's going to make those shots. One thing that I will say about that is I'm very glad he kept shooting. Yes. Because that was our biggest thing with him going into the season was be aggressive, be that be that guy that needs to score. I would rather live and die of Wheezy missing his shots but still taking them than him just disappearing in the corner. Yeah, I mean, he it was the same way against Penn State. He was consistently shooting. He kept being aggressive throughout that game. And, yeah, going forward, that's what we've all wanted out of Wee's camp is for him to not, you know, turtle up and shoot five shots in a game. That's not going to do Iowa any good. They need – they now for sure with all the injuries they have, they definitely need him to be their second option and to score 15 to 20 points a game. And he's not going to do that if he doesn't shoot the ball. He mentioned it after the game as well. He said it was just an off-shooting night for him, but he just wanted to keep shooting. That's what the coaches have told him to do. And I think if he does that, he's well on his way to having a very good season. Absolutely. And so I saw this going around on Twitter a little bit uh, Wednesday morning, Tuesday night. With all the injuries and the, the lack of depth, largely because of the injuries, People were still very upset with Fran McCaffrey and putting these last two losses on him. What percentage, champ, are you blaming Fran McCaffrey? Uh one percent. That was about. <laughs> that would be. That's the lowest I can put. Fran McCaffrey is doing a hell of a job this year. Coming into this year, us on this show didn't even predict Iowa to be a tournament team. And that was before most of these injuries have happened. Now losing literally four guys, three starters off your team, four guys that were contributing to this team in the first couple months of the year, and for them to be in position, the position they are now, they have played two home games since November 28th. (laughs) They've traveled 8,000 miles during that time, and you're going to tell me that it's on Fran McCaffrey that they had a letdown game in Nebraska and didn't shoot the ball well? Come on, that's a lazy narrative. That's a horrible argument. It's not Fran McCaffrey's fault. That happens to teams, especially on the road in Big Ten play. It's hard to win. Teams have off shooting nights. People need to stop with the overreactions and, and, and when blaming you're short-handed Fran. on the road yeah. in the Big Ten. Like as pe- us people saying that because it's the lack of depth is a recruiting problem. How about the lack of depth is just an injury problem? Yeah, I mean, you can't recruit fucking 25 guys to your basketball team. I mean, when you lose four, three starters and four scholarship players, you're, I mean, that's, you're down to, like you said, eight scholarship guys. And one of those eight is Riley Till, who was a walk-on last year. So it's really seven scholarship players. And yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot you can do as a coach when you lose that many guys, except for, you know, coach what you have. I think he's doing that pretty damn well. They should have won that Penn State game. It wasn't his fault. I mean, guys, there's only so much you can do when guys can't make free throws at the end of the games because they're dead tired. I mean, I don't blame Fran at all for that. And they were still in the – like, they were – Yeah, it was a great game. They They were were up six points with five minutes to go. Well, yes, but they were also in the Nebraska game. Yeah, they didn't get blown out. They lost, by, I think, also by six. I think it was a six-point final. They were in it the entire way. For I mean, a, yeah. For a coach and they who, made four threes. <laughs> for a coach who likes to play ten a 10-man rotation, to have a team who, sh- who only made four threes 
only made two free throws out of five trips to the line only, to only lose by that much with eight guys, eight scholarship players, to me, he's doing a hell of a job. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think a lot of that ridiculous commentary will subside if they come home this weekend. They beat a, a, ray, a top 15 Maryland team that would go a long way, that would shut a lot of these morons up. And <laughs> I, I fully expect them to come home. I think Carver's going to bring them some energy that they need. I know we've been very critical about the home crowd, but I think they're going to bring some energy this Saturday against uh, Maryland, and I think they're going to get a big win, and it's going to help them. They're going to you know, start to get some sustained success. Hopefully CJ's back soon. That would be huge. So you think that this team can still make a run to the, to the tournament? Yes, I fully believe that. This team has a talent. The way Luca Garza has been playing, I understand – He's still at, I think, 17 points and 16 boards against Nebraska. So it's not like he was awful. They were doubling him much of the game. They were making him. Yeah, and he had the flu. They had said he lost like five pounds the day before. So, I mean, when when Luka's down low, dominating like he has been, he played a great game against Penn State. Yes, he missed some free throws at the end, but he was absolutely dominant. Nobody on Penn State could guard Luka. When you have a guy like that down low, it creates so much for your team, not only down low, but it creates open looks. They're not shooting four of 33 from the field again this year from three the three-point line. That's just not going to happen. They're going to come in. They're going to make those shots, and I fully expect this team to finish right around 500 in Big Ten play, even with these injuries, and I still think they're a tournament team. Okay. I mean, I was thinking about this today while coming home from work, and my thought was, I think this team's now going to plan kind of play the way we thought before the season. So I don't know. I just, to me, it's not an addictive of, of them underachieving. I think that they're going to play really hard. They're going to be really fun to watch. But I just don't know if they have the manpower right now, especially if Frederick's out for a significant amount of time. If it's a four-week injury champ. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be tough. When, when another starter's out, that would be, like we said, three guys missing. I, that, I, it will depend. I think if CJ can come back in the next week or two, maybe only miss, you know, four or five games, that will go a long way. But, yeah, if he's out a couple months, you know, you know, four to six weeks, then, yeah, that might be a different story. And, and like, I, Joe Chisant's been awesome, but every freshman hits a wall of some kind eventually late in the season. They're yeah, not Connor They're McCaffrey not used to these games. Shoot. They get the freshman <laughs> heavy legs. And to me, I just think you're going to run into something where it's just going to get too daunting of a task. Not, to any, not that anyone should be, like, fired or nothing should happen because of it. It's just be the lack of manpower. Yeah, I mean, these next two games are going to be big. They got Maryland at home. Then they go to Northwestern. I'll actually be in attendance at that game. My wife's school is uh, singing the national anthem. Their chorus is singing the national anthem at that game. So she got us a couple tickets to that one. So I'm excited to go see the Hawkeyes in person. So hopefully I bring them some luck and they get a nice little victory. Are you joining the chorus? I will not be joining the chorus. I don't think they they would want my big ass out there trying to sing with a bunch of uh, fifth, sixth, and seventh graders. You can hit the high note. I mean, I can get there. With def- I don't know if they serve alcohol at Northwestern. If they do serve alcohol, maybe a couple drinks, and I might be able to get out there. <laughs> I don't know, though. I don't think they do. And that's uh, I'll keep you guys posted next week if they do serve liquor there. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get a feedback from, uh, from Champ. All right, let's wrap <laughs> the show with a little national championship preview. The national championship game is Monday night, LSU playing Clemson. Forward all, Joe Burrow, the Heisman Trophy winner against Trevor Lawrence. 
the QB of the 2021 draft class. Uh, Champ, who do you think's going to win? What are your take? What's your take on this game for Monday night? So, the the last like week and a half, I've I, I really want LSU to win. I love Joe Burrow. I love Eddie O. I'm, I mean, he's been an, an exceptional coach. He's a great interview. Everything I've read about him has been awesome. I that, so going in, I want LSU to win. So I'll say that first. But I just keep going back to the fact that I I thought Ohio State was going to be Clemson. Clemson finds a way to win that game, and I just. For some reason, I just think Clemson's going to find a way to win this game as well. I mean, they have, they've been there before. They've played in like the last five playoffs or something. It's something ridiculous. They've been in three of the last four national titles. So they've been there before. And I think that's going to go a little ways. Trevor Lawrence is an athletic freak. What he did against Ohio State was downright not even acceptable. I mean, he's <laughs> taking on safeties, running by him, making these throws. I mean, it was just insane. I think the difference in this game is I think Clemson's defense is a little bit stronger than LSU's, and I think that's going to make a difference. I know LSU's offense has been tremendous, but I think Clemson is going to be able to make have enough stops, and I think they're going to be able to score enough points to beat LSU. I think it's going to be a hell of a game. I think Clemson wins this one uh, 34-31 to on Monday night, and they win you know, another national title for Dabo. Champ, I think Clemson covers this game because I think six points as it is right now is very, very high for these two teams. Uh-huh. The thing you mentioned, though, that's kind of funny is you think Clemson's defense is a little bit better. You know who doesn't think either defense is very good? Vegas. Vegas. Over <laughs> under is 69 and a half. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be some points. I definitely, I mean, you have to have a high over under with what LSU did to Oklahoma. I mean, they thoroughly manhandled him on the offensive side of the ball. But, yeah, I I, th- I think it, uh, it'll actually be under with my 34-31 prediction. But, yeah, it's going to be in the 60s, I'm, I think. I'm quickly scrolling through all the bowl games, the over-unders, to see if there's anything else that high. There's only one other bowl game this season that had an over-under that was higher than 69.5, and it was Utah State's bowl game, and it was 71. Okay. So, to... This game is if this game has as that many points as Vegas likes to assume, all you need whoever makes one stop or forces one turnover, is going to win this game. And I just think it's Joe Burrow's year. I don't think I think he's going to play a clean game, and I'm going to take LSU to win this game. But Clemson's going to cover that that six points. Give me, yeah, uh, we'll go LSU forty one, Clemson thirty eight. That cover the yeah. over did it go over? Yeah, that's seventy nine points. That's know. over, yeah. but a Clemson cover. Yeah, I think that's a good bet though. If if you're looking to gamble on this game, I think taking I th- I thought it was five and a half. It must have just moved to it, six. Yeah. But taking the six with Clemson, I think is a good bet because I think this game's going to be close. I think it's the year of Joe Burrow, the year of Coach O. And, I uh, hope so. Believe me, I I want LSU to win. I love Joe Burrow. I hope they do. I hope they they prove me wrong. I really want them to win. I'll be rooting for them Monday night. And I hope Brian Ferentz is down in Baton Rouge learning how Coach O has revolutionized the LSU offense in one offseason for going into 2020 for the Hawkeyes. Go Tigers. <laughs> That's a perfect way to end this. Champ, anything else before we uh, say goodbye this week? Um, I think it's a, it'll be a fun game Saturday, Iowa-Maryland. I think they're going to come out gunning. I think they're going to get a big win, and I think that's going to go a long way to make this a tournament team 
uh, this season. So I'm excited for that one. Amen. All right. Well, for Champ, for Jer, who can't be with us this week, I'm DC. Hopefully we are all back together again next week. Uh, we'll talk to you guys again then. Make sure you guys subscribe to the show wherever you guys get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Tribe People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, or at Dave Cray, or and at Dave Cray. And uh, we'll talk to you guys again next week. Go Hawks. Go Hawks and go Tigers. Trick or treat, Iowa City. If you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one. <laughs>